The Homance Chronicles. The female equivalent of a bromance. So many poor choices. But so many good takes. But so many poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Without further ado, <laughs> this is The Homance Chronicles. I'm Sarah. And I'm Nicole. And we have a very special guest with us today, uh, actually calling in from L.A., an award-winning romance writer and um, just lovely person all around in the last 20 minutes that we've had to spend <laughs> getting to know her through technical Self- difficulties. Self-proclaimed good girl as well. I'm not 100% sure yet after reading yeah. some of your books. So. <laughs> Welcome, Lisa Becker. Thank you for joining us. Applause, applause, applause. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad technology was on our side somewhat today. Especially during retrograde. Yeah, I don't know if you follow Mercury Retrograde, but I tend to realize that the printer never works for me. That's usually the first indicator um, that there's something going on in in the planets. And today, though, we didn't have the joy of the printer. We had the joy of Skype. (laughs) (laughs) Which is always a heartache, regardless of the time of year. So... One of our uh, listeners slash friends gave me your name because she's a total fan of your books and said, I think that she would be great for your show because on our show we talk about real life stories and um, online dating and just sometimes even just poor choices and, uh, you know, how you how you turn that around. Um, and I was looking up some of your books, and some of them are references like Chick Lit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a category? Chick Lit? I like, wasn't aware either. I didn't know that. Yeah. Is oh, that yeah. a real category? It's a huge category. Okay. It, it's a category that kind of mirrors romance. A lot of the Chick Lit does have romantic uh, storylines to it, but it may not necessarily have the happily ever after that's required to be technically a romance book. Ah. Um, but they're kind of light, fun reads, something like a Bridget Jones diary. Got it. Um, that, you know, is kind of like a romance, but it might be more on the kind of goofy, fun, silly side. So I think I have books that fall both into the chiclet and then the the contemporary romance categories. That's wonderful. Okay. How many books have you had published thus far? I have seven books out, and my eighth book will be releasing this summer. Ooh, girl. <laughs> so it's been by Add a Girl. See, I'm early. My <laughs> what uh, made you decide I want to, you know, become an author? Because your books are relatable. fiction, but they're very relatable. Super relatable. It kind of felt like I was watching another dimension of my own personal life. As I was reading Clutch, actually. That's so nice to hear. Especially the hobo chapter. (laughs) I know. The hobo chapter spoke to me as well. (laughs) The what did? The hobo chapter in Clutch. Jason, you dirty bastard. Jason Nash. And the funny thing is that my husband's best friend is named Jason Nash. And he is this very conservative, straight-laced narrow you know down the narrow path guy and I told him that I'm writing this book and I'm naming this sort of slacker (laughs) artist stoner after you (laughs) oh man was he just so thrilled (laughs) he was so honored you know I think that it really made his week for sure but I, I do tend to name characters after sometimes after people I know and typically if it's a character a, a girl or a woman who is not very nice they're most likely named for someone who was mean to me in middle school oh, I love this so, 
so that's, that's my little revenge. I freaking love this. Yeah. And you know who you are out there. <laughs> they, know. they know. Well, for um, sure. Where'd you, where'd you grow up? <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in the Los Angeles area. Uh-huh. Okay. So I don't think it was you. I no. don't think it was you. <laughs> yeah, I, I never grew up in L.A. <laughs> uh, for our okay, listeners. We're, we're cool then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For our listeners, just to get them a little caught up, um, Sarah and I were reading your latest, I believe it's your latest book, Clutch. I mean, you can correct me if you're wrong, though, or if I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> not you. I hope you're right about your own book. Um, but the name of it was based on a really funny idea that you had sent over. And um, I love it. Each chapter is like a different handbag. And then you also try to relate the handbag to like the type of man that she's dating. And so can you give us a little bit of background how that idea happened? Sure. So actually Clutch came out in 2018. So I do have a, a two books that have come out since. Okay. But by all means, Clutch is one of my favorites. Um, and it actually was inspired by an episode of NCIS, the show with Mark Harmon. Huh. Uh, there was someone talking about a, um, a character being a handbag husband. And they said, well, what's that? And the person said, uh, it's something useless that you hang on your arm. Oh, my God. And I started thinking. <laughs> Remy, yeah, you can hilarious. laugh out loud. It's okay. Remy's over here making sure our levels are correct. He's dying. <laughs> and I started thinking about how men are like handbags. And the idea for the book just grew from there. Um, it actually started out as a screenplay that I had kind of envisioned this movie with little vignettes about her different romantic relationships and the comparison to the handbag. Yeah. And then eventually it, it turned into a novel. But it's, she basically compares her disastrous relationships to different handbag styles, and that's the man she's dating. So she goes out with the diaper bag, who's the single dad, and the hobo that you mentioned is the slacker artist. Yeah. The fanny pack is the guy who has the butt fetish. And ultimately, <laughs> she's searching for the clutch or the one she wants to hold on to. So it's a very light, fun, hopefully you thought so too, uh, book with some great dating disasters, but a really fun happily ever after. So I did have a question for you because I noticed as I was reading through, it was more of a subconscious matching to the men she was with. It wasn't, in my opinion, a direct correlation. Like she wasn't consciously going and being like, oh, the doctor, I have to have this. Or um, it, it seemed more or less like she was kind of soaking up that person's, I don't know, vibe or something and kind of emulating them. I think so. I don't think you're right. I don't think it was a conscious decision of, oh, I'm dating the doctor bag now. I'm dating the cosmetic bag. Mm -hmm. I think it was more just a clever way to tie in, at it. least for me, to tie in all these various dating scenarios um, and weave them together into a story that I thought would be really fun for anybody who's really ever had a bad date or is searching for the one or has you know been dumped, all those things. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, when I was reading it, I was like, she's meeting all these I'm, we're talking about her like she's a real person. Right. The character in the she's, book. She's real. <laughs> Caroline is oh, no, a she's, real human. She's real. She's, she is. They, I, all these people to me are are my imaginary friends. They're all real though. She's like, I'm telling you, Caroline is my other dimension. Right. She's actually Sarah. Well, but as I was reading the book though, I'm like, she's meeting people in the wild. That's how you know that this book is fiction. Who meets people in the wild anymore? I guess you could it, say like it is potentially possible in LA whereas in the Midwest nah <laughs> <laughs> but every well, every run in that she that had you... though was just like a, a a natural interaction or a pickup from a previous relationship or something and I'm like sitting here going 
I think I need to get out more. <laughs> <laughs> she definitely meets some men in some strange places. That is for sure. Mm-hmm. I think being knocked on her behind by a guy on a bike in Italy or in France is probably this. Italy is the strangest yeah. one. Um, and then, of course, there's the, the the cosmetic bag, that the chef that she meets. That one was a lot of fun for her. So she's had her share of disasters, but I think ultimately it's a, it's a satisfying conclusion to what the reader hopefully has been seeing all along. Yeah, we're not going to give it away. No. That's for sure. So yes. question for you about the stories themselves. What kind of research... Did you go through, <laughs> and I say go through, <laughs> to to create such realistic, actually things happening? The, I, every almost every story or every bag that you went through, it was like I this is real. This could have actually happened to this person. Well, that's very flattering. I appreciate that compliment, and that's what I'm hopefully going for is something that seems natural and and realistic and relatable. Mm. Um, I guess to take a step back, you know, the first book that I wrote um, is called Click, um, an online love story. And it's very loosely based on how I met my husband online 20 years ago. And the dating stories and some of the um, scenarios that the character Renee goes through are things that either actually happened to me or stories that friends told me. Some of them are fictionalized and some of them are exaggerated for comedic effect, but there are a few stories in there that actually really did happen to me or to someone I know. And I think that um, I kind of used up all of my personal experiences in that book. And so for Clutch, it's actually just mad, you know, just pure imagination of um, what I think this woman might go through living in Los Angeles and experiencing uh, different kinds of people. I mean, spot on. That's insane. <laughs> Do you have a memorable dating disaster that happened to you prior to settling down with your husband since you were doing online dating, which seems like 20 years ago, it would have been a, a new way of uh, meeting people. Now it's it's just whatever. It's commonplace. But 20 years ago, that was like you being a risk taker. <laughs> It definitely was a risk. I remember I I worked with um, a a friend and he came down to my office and said, I really want to try this online dating thing. Will you do it with me? And I was very hesitant, but I reluctantly agreed. And within a day or so, I put my profile and my photo up and I started, you know, chatting with people online and went on some dates. And then I met this really wonderful guy named Steve. And meanwhile, my friend had not even gotten his profile up on the dating site yet. And I'm married to Steve and I've been together for 20 years. We've been married for 17. And my friend who encouraged me to try this with him is still single. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> is he better so, by chance? I'm very, is he angry with you? The irony there is just devastating. Um, yeah. So it's, it's 20 years later. But um, so, so did, is Steve know, the, the first guy that you went out with from your online dating profile? He, not the first, but one of the first. I really didn't go on that many dates through, um, lucky you. through the dating service. I just sort of got lucky that we met when we did. Don't um, and he, he'll tell the story that he had just moved to the L.A. area um, from Ohio. And he was sitting with a friend of his who said, I'm going to go on this dating site and I'm going to find someone for you. And she scrolled through all the profiles and landed on me and said, that's her. She's <gasps> the one. Oh, my God. What a wonderful story. Why? Yeah. Oh. His heart. We, we're all clutching our chests. 
It's a really sweet story. The I want that friend. Why it, don't though, I have that friend? <laughs> it gets even better. I don't, I don't know. So after we met, we figured out that he grew up in, I grew up in the LA area and he grew up in Orange County, which is about an hour, hour and a half away from where I grew up. And we figured out that we both went to this small remote sleepaway camp no as way. kids that was based in Northern California. And we figured out that we were there at the exact same time because the summer, one of the summers we were there, they recorded a record album of all the kids singing. And if your name was on the record album cover, you were being recorded. And we're both on the album cover. So You're we knew we were me. there at the same time. This is insane. And we're looking, we're looking through his photos of when he was a kid of pictures from camp. And he was saying, you know, here's my buddy that I took a picture of in the dining hall. He goes, look at that girl sitting behind him, staring at the camera with those big glasses. Ha ha, that looks like it could be you. And I looked at the photo and I said, that is me. <gasps> and he had a photo of me from when I was probably 11 years old. You are kidding me. No, it's, it's a great story. These are things so you only meant read to be. about. I'm still stuck on why he left Orange County and went to Ohio. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like he didn't have a choice. <laughs> he went to college and med school out there. So uh, it was for school. And then yeah. he moved back. Okay, oh. well, that does make sense. We okay. do have a pretty good medical medical college well here. what a lovely story what a nice little meet cute i want it is, it's it's I really universe it's, to we're work very in. fortunate so yeah. i think it was just fate that we were you know meant to be together no kidding i keep telling myself that you know i gotta give the universe control right and like it'll just happen when it's supposed to with whomever it's supposed to but that's hard <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And I remember I had just turned 30 and I was feeling like I'm never going to get married. No one's going to want to be with me. Um, so and I had a really good job and I was, you know, doing pretty well in my career and financially. And I thought, you know, I'm no one. I'm going to end up on myself. So I might as well start enjoying it. And I decided I better buy my own home because I'm going to be alone anyway. So I might as well live somewhere that I like. And I, so I went ahead and I bought a place. And while I was in escrow, I met my husband. <sighs> and I have another friend who was turning in her early 40s who really wanted a child. And she was single. And she decided, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and adopt a child of my own. And while she was fostering this boy who's now her son, she met her husband. And I think it just goes to show that you just can't wait for somebody to come along without living your life. You need to go out there and say, okay, if this is the best it's going to be, if this is what my future is going to be like, I'm going to make it the best possible. So do all the things that you want to do, travel, um, have a family, buy a home, write a book, do it, the things that you want to do. Because when you're living who you really are and being your best self, you're going to be much more attractive to someone. And that's when someone's going to come along and want to be with you. I mean, from so that's my unsolicited advice. From the mouth. It's great advice. From the mouth of somebody who has actually physically lived this experience over and over <laughs> and over again, apparently. People better take her word for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, I used to get kind of bummed out because I didn't have a built-in travel partner, if you will. Like, I really like to go places and um, and... That's just something that I tr I try to look forward to every year is a, at least a weekend getaway trip of some kind. And the coordination of, you know, trying to find a girlfriend to go with you and then them having, like, their kids and the whole, like, thing, it used to bum me out a little bit. And then I've been 
totally flipping the script on it. And this year I have, I think, five trips planned. Yes. Because I'm like, she I'm just going. Does. No, she sure does. I'm just going. I'm just doing that's it. That's amazing. Like, I, I can't I'm proud of her. be um, overwhelmed by the minutia. No. You know? And the fact that, like, I don't have a, a built-in travel partner. Like, oh, well. And all of my trips are with different people. And all she's going them. to cool think... places, too. <laughs> Where are you going? Where are you um, going? Well, we share a calendar, and I one popped up. Greece, apparently. Yeah. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Right? I'll actually be in California. I'm going to Napa as well um, for the first time <laughs> in May, and I am looking forward to it. It's me and um, seven other girls, eight of us total, and we're running out this entire mansion. Um, I'm not. I will not be there. <laughs> She's that going with the friends. Fabulous. Who, she's going with friends who can keep their shit together. <laughs> well, there's going to be a lot of wine for sure. Yes. Yeah. Thus, I would wine not country. be able to keep. It's beautiful my shit up together. there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm definitely feeling what you're saying. And you said you have two daughters, right? I do. I have a 15 year old, and I have an almost 13 year old. Oh my gosh. So Magical I should times. say. It's very rare that somebody will listen to me this long. So thank you for (laughs) listening to me as long as you have, because this is a rarity and I'm very grateful. No, we have actually, you're more than welcome to join us whenever you'd like to preach. (laughs) Clearly you have important things to say. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that it's awesome though, that um, your daughter's, can look up to you and maybe not right now is the best times as their teenagers but once they are in their mid-20s can go you know my mom did that like my mom wrote books because she said she just wanted to right yeah and um she created these characters that are completely different than her which allowed her to you know really explore creativity and um just I don't know, put stuff out. And I feel like a lot of people get stuck, you know? They get stuck in the, like, I don't know how to get started. Or because I have kids, like, what are they going to think? Or I'm writing romance novels. Is that, like, embarrassing for my family? Or just anything. And so I really appreciate um, just your ability to jump right in, which is something that Sarah and I did with this podcast as well. So thank you for being a guest on the show and kind of going along with this because if you don't just do it, then it'll never happen. So... What was that moment where you're like, I'm just going to do it? Like, I'm maybe I don't have a lot of writing experience. Maybe I don't really know uh, how to get something published, but I'm just going to do it. Yeah, actually, what was your background before you started writing? So I always used to write short stories and poems as a kid. And I always thought I was going to write a book one day, but I really didn't know what that was going to be. And I studied English and American literature in college, and I spent my professional career working in public relations. And so I did a lot of writing, but more business writing. But I spent a lot of my time writing press releases and ad copy and proposals and news, you know, news alerts and things of that nature for years. And what I found was I would have clients or colleagues or bosses who would change things. And sometimes they would edit and change things for the better. And sometimes it was really just so that they could say that they put their thumbprint on something. 
but I felt like I was doing a lot of writing for everyone else and nothing for myself. And so when it came time to sort of put down in writing some of these funny stories of my dating experiences and um, funny stories that friends had told me, and I just started writing them down, and then this sort of book kind of came out of it, um, I decided that I was just going to self-publish it because I wanted to get it out there. And then my parents could say, look, our daughter wrote a book. Aren't we so proud? And it would just be something fun. They have a bumper sticker. Um, out there. And the thing that's interesting about that book is it isn't told, it's told entirely in emails. So it's like a modern epistolatory novel. Oh, that's of- fun messages back and forth between these various characters. Um, so it's primarily Renee, who's the main character, and the various people that she meets online and goes on dates with, and then her relaying the stories to her friends. Oh my God, fun. And again, it was just a self-published book, and I really didn't expect anything really to come of it. Um, but I started getting emails from people that I didn't know saying, oh, I, their book was so much fun. When's the sequel coming out? Huh. And I would write back and say, uh, next year, I guess I'm writing a sequel. Uh-huh. So it, it turned into a trilogy. And from there, I just started writing more. I'm very, very grateful that my husband works a regular job. And I'm able to be home with our kids, which is my primary job. Um, yeah. You know, when they were younger, I was really, truly a caregiver. And now I'm really what we call a mover. I'm a mom Uber and an ATM. <laughs> That's basically, and a snack and a chef. That's basically my job. Oh my job. gosh, my mom used to call um, herself a taxi when yeah. I was little. That's yeah, hilarious. exactly. Now I'm a mover. Um, but, you know, it frees me up to basically just hang out with my imaginary friends and create these worlds and have fun with characters that I wish were real. And I think of them as real, but that I also just wish were my friends and I'd love to hang out with. I mean, that's a remarkable life. Your character in Clutch is a Southern girl. And it's interesting some of the like little twangs that you put in oh, there yeah. to remind breeders that she's Southern. Like, And so I was wondering if you actually came from the South or not. Cause I, was... I was curious, too. Because <laughs> when the, the chapter where she uses the Lord's name in vain... <laughs> That exchange was so funny. And like the messenger, yeah. Yeah. And I like that's a fun one. But like I almost I almost equate her to Reese Witherspoon's character in Sweet Home Alabama with like that innocence that she's got. But then she Well, that is just beyond flattering. Thank you. (laughs) But like that was I think I'm blushing. (laughs) Well, I well cool. But like you it that's kind of like the voice that I had, like the innocent voice. But then she also knew, like, how to take control and do stuff. Because then she kicked him right out. <laughs> and I was like, right. yes! I she actually didn't go through with it, yes! I know. I actually wasn't, I wasn't sure, I guess, how much romance was in the novels. Um, and then in Clutch, it actually kind of kicks off oh, relatively was, quickly. I was pleasantly which surprised. I was, yes, I was pleasantly surprised as well. I didn't. No, that's what I was signing up for. Um, But it was in a good way. Uh, But yeah, so like, I always wonder, does it feel awkward to write about that, though? Because you have to use words you would normally use to describe those types of sexual situations. Right? Like, I (laughs) gave her the disclaimer she can swear. And she's like, actually, I don't swear. I'm a good good girl. Like, so how do you sit there and (laughs) and type that out when it's, um, I don't know, maybe uncomfortable? uncomfortable? Do you blush when you type? (laughs) 
I do blush a little bit when I type. I try not to think about my parents reading the books, <laughs> which they do, but I just sort of block that out of my mind. You know, mm -hmm, it's like mm -hmm. that you stick your fingers in your ear and you sing la la la, la and you la, just la, don't la, like want to listen to anybody. I kind of do that. Um, but I think, you know, again, I, I'm trying to create a world of, of people that um, are realistic and relatable. And I sort of just try to channel who they really are and what's really happening to them, as opposed to how I feel about who they are or what's happening to them. When I talk about characters, you were saying like, we're talking about her as if she were a real person. I really do, these are people I know. These are, I just think of them as people that are, that are my neighbors and friends and that they're real people. And so I kind of try to channel who they are. Man, what a fun um, it, I think that, you know, some of the books have a little bit more steam in them than others. Um, I have some that are much more of slow burns than kind of quick in your face situations, sexual situations. Yeah. Um, I was I rooting when, for like, Caroline though. To read... I was like rooting oh, sorry, for her. <laughs> I was rooting Pardon for her. Me? Like I wanted oh. her to like get some action. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> she does. Caroline definitely does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think that she, I think she's just such a fun character. I used to live in Atlanta, so I have a lot of friends who are very Southern uh, makes sense. and who <laughs> use a lot of these expressions. And yep. um, I've spent a lot of time with their families and kind of experiencing the Southern hospitality and the Southern culture. And so that's where that came from. I think a lot of my books um, are rooted either um, auto in autobiographical situations or are kind of based on people that I know. And so in that case, Caroline is kind of a, an amalgamation of a bunch of people that I know from the South. What a fun concept, like to just go through your life and then pick a la carte things off of people that you know and make a human out of them in your brain like a character. And then go with that, make a story. I wish I could do that. I don't have patience. Oh, I don't have that well, much attention a, to detail There's either. a character in Click. Her name is Shelly. She's sort of the best friend of our main character. And she has this hilarious habit of giving her man du jour a nickname. So, and she's very promiscuous. So there's all these kind of funny <laughs> nicknames in there. And the idea for that came from one of my best friends growing up. We went to college a couple of hours apart from one another. And so she, we would, you know, this was before email and we would, you know, write letters or talk on the phone. And she was telling me that she saw this guy in the cafeteria of her dorm and he looked like Tom Cruise from Top Gun. And she, so we called, started calling him Maverick because we didn't know his name. Oh, and that idea of kind of having this nickname for him sparked this character, this man eater who has these hilarious nicknames for all the men that she uh, she sleeps with. Well, Sarah and I do that in real life, yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I can base characters on you. I've got to have two best friends yeah. oh, oh. who are sweet and funny and, and sassy. And I've got to write a story about them oh, now. I love oh. that. Thank you. <laughs> We well in our twenties, and we spent more time going out to bars and randomly collecting phone numbers and whatnot. You wouldn't always catch the name, no. <laughs> so you'd have to be like, Ooh, "Which one was?" Uh, this? yeah. Can you send me a picture? Right, and um, so it would be you know, cargo pants guy. I mean, or whatever the. Let's be real. Like up until recently, I had a Kanban board of all the guys I was dating and like the progression. Of where I was at in whatever type of relationship, air quotes, it was. And I had it up at work. And, like, the ladies at work were enthralled with it because I used, you know, like, yeah. the different nicknames for all of the people. One one of 
my actual characters, I'm going to call them characters now, <laughs> one of my characters, <laughs> he ended up um, dropping acid and not telling me, but inviting me to be a date to a wedding. So this Oh, is a- my word. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, my word. <laughs> but, like, he was... Um, what did we call him? So he just ends up being acid guy. No, he but, was um, surfing turf. Oh yeah, because no. he ended up he like well, had a hibachi grill yeah. concept for his kitchen, but he ended up installing it in like the living room. So <laughs> we had multiple avenues of what we could call. Oh no, to I called him, him. I called him Rocky's choice yes. because that's the meal on Benihana. Benihana's menu that and, is like your kind of like starter Benihana meal yeah. with chicken and steak. <laughs> and, like, and so, uh, yeah, so acid guy slash Rocky's choice. And like the irony is like <laughs> I've never been to Benihana before. It's just like this hilarious thing you just can't make up. Yeah. So, I mean, I know that it's like just commonplace actually for women to make up these nicknames so that they can keep each other in line with who the different people are because what I've also experienced is if I tell somebody that I'm going out with someone and then they ask me about that person maybe a month later I'm like who (laughs) 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 because they may only last like a date or two or maybe even just like a couple of weeks and so now I've decided like maybe I shouldn't tell people about how like the the dates that I'm going on because now it's just back in my face again that <laughs> that it didn't work out. Remember that guy with a really funny nickname? What happened to him? Well, he fell off. <laughs> I, Lisa, I do have a question for you. So you said yes. you met your husband 20 years ago, which means and you were in the LA dating scene in the early 2000s, and for some reason, I keep thinking of Claire Danes in Romeo and Juliet with leo for that time frame that era but before you were online what was your methodology for meeting people and trying to go on dates honestly i really didn't date that much before i met my husband i was really focused on my career and i'm kind of a little bit of an introvert when it I'm out in public with people. And so I didn't have a huge dating history. Um, I did have one person that I met, funny story, on an airplane. Mm-hmm. I ended up sitting next to him on an airplane from Los Angeles to Boston. I was going there to visit some friends for the weekend, and he was doing the same. And then we ended up sitting next to each other on the plane ride home. No kidding. And then we started dating. So that's probably the most interesting story. I am jealous of all your meat cutes. <laughs> but that I one feel, didn't work out. I that feel one like, didn't work out. I but that's like okay because it's I feel like, you know, as much as it's hard when you're in the thick of it to think about it this way, once you're able to take a step back, um, you realize that every relationship, every date, every experience you learn something from and hopefully you gain some kind of insight that helps you either decide what you do or don't like in a partner or what you do or don't like in yourself and you grow and you learn and hopefully that makes you more able to then figure out the right thing for you at the next step right you filter people out so you just you know you learn that's not something i'm i i want to tolerate or boy the way that i reacted to that situation Drove him away. Not lose a guy so in ten w- words. Maybe I shouldn't do that in the future. Oh That's gosh, probably funny. not a good quality. Then you should work on yourself. Yeah. So you kind of 
think of it as every everything, even a failed relationship, can be a learning experience. And again, it's really hard to do that when you're right in it. Yeah. But when you have some perspective, it's it's easier to see. I feel like if you were ever to write an autobiography, you should name it Serendipity because that is your life. <laughs> I think, it, you know, knock on wood, I've, I've loved a pretty lucky life in that sense. I think that's true. <gasps> I can't I'm very that. grateful for that. I, and, you know, it's funny. So you mentioned that you met a guy on an airplane. And I recall Nicole many moons ago. Mm. She encountered a man on an airplane and mm. they exchanged numbers and text messages, right? Yes. Uh, ultimately, he ghosted me. But yes, thank you for bringing that up. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it is, is a crazy thing. It's interesting I, because you become oh, like so close in such a short amount of time because you're literally sitting an inch from that person. And you, if you talk the whole time, that is longer than most of my first dates last. Honestly, because if I'm meeting up with somebody for a first date, I try to do like a happy hour or a coffee. I'm like, I don't want to give this person more than an hour of my time until I determine that they're worth it, you know? And so if you're on a plane, I'm like, oh, I'm actually stuck talking to this guy for like two and a half hours. But it's not feeling stuck. You know what? You actually feel like this is really cool. It's kismet of sorts. and, And the two and a half hours flies by. What if airlines started doing matchmaking? Like... What if you could go online and have a profile for your ticket, and then there was like the singles row? God, that's actually the a great des- idea. But TM, I feel like the, de- the desperation <laughs> that would be in that row, like you would cut it with a knife. But would it be desperation? Because if you're like just you're going already, and then this is just like an add-on, like a potential. I guess, yeah. You know what I mean, like. Sure. Delta. Shout out to Delta. Yeah. Uh. We all know everyone's status. The whole plane knows that they're like watching. They're like, it's a bachelor now. They've turned it into some sort of. There's uh, profiles on the little like um, TV in front of you. Right. You can go into the dating app. Right. This has turned it into an entire Black Mirror episode as we evolve this idea. I'm super into it. Hey, Lisa, (laughs) you want to write a book? We could be your muse. <laughs> I think you already are. I've already got like three ideas brewing. Yes, good. Then you can come back and give us progression. Live readings. <laughs> but um, honestly, though, that would be kind of fun. I'm gonna consider I, I think I, I feel like it would be more fun to watch That's someone I mean. else go through it than like, be in it. But could, okay, let's like, let's ninety day fiance this. Let's go to TLC. They got power. <laughs> That's um, a really great idea. Oh my god, I love that she's so behind me. <laughs> I'm gonna say I love you for that because usually nobody is. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> oh Lord. Okay. Um so earlier you were talking about um how you did a lot of professional writing and weren't really doing writing for yourself. When Sarah and I started this podcast, I also for my current job do a lot of writing and was going to do a book and not this podcast Mm -hmm. and I had a similar um structure for the book as you were talking about the emails I had a bunch of text messages that I had saved you know screenshotted between me and potential dating partners or between me and my friends after I'd went on a date or whatever and so I was going to put the pictures of the text messages in the book and then have um like words off to the side describing the story or like setting it up 
And then I was like, oh, wow, I spend a lot of time in front of a computer writing all day. This is not, I can't, I can't keep sitting in front of a computer and keep coming up with words. Like, I'm pretty astonished that you're, (laughs) you were able to do so in your professional and personal life. (laughs) Clearly it's an actual passion. (laughs) Well, I should say that I I actually left my job when I really started writing in earnest um, to spend more time with my kids who were really young at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I really would write while they were in preschool or in regular school or while they were napping, I would sort of write here and there. now, as I mentioned, they're they're teenagers, and they have much greater and more active social lives than I do. <laughs> so I have a lot of free time now that I'm home. I'm basically just on call for when they need rides and food <laughs> and money. Super. And so, and my husband works a regular, you know, pretty busy job. So I do have quite a bit of time, and so I'm able to sort of play with my imaginary friends and come up with little stories and ideas, or take ideas that. Um, things that have happened to me or kind of imagine what would have happened if this had been different. And then these, these stories just sort of come out. That's awesome. I, uh, so I was actually wondering, you say you pull a lot of these characteristics from people you know in real life. Um, are there any like TV shows? Um, obviously for Clutch, there was a, something there. But in terms of like the other characters, like are there any TV shows that you love to watch that end up pouring into your work? You know, I watch a lot of TV in the background while I write. Okay. And when I first started, I was on a big Law and Order rerun kick, <laughs> and then mother. I kind of got a little sick of those, so I moved on to NCIS, and now I kind of have Chicago PD reruns on in the background. <laughs> so I don't know; those characters may creep in here at some point. I'm not really sure, um, but usually the idea comes from typically something that either happened to me or um, is it like a like a subset um, a trope that I want to explore so I wanted to take a look at um, second chance romances um, I, I was thinking I don't remember why but I was thinking back to high school crushes and I'm not too embarrassed to admit that I had such a crush on someone in high school that I would sit with him in the bathroom at parties willingly while he was in the bathroom puking up wine coolers oh and just read his back just so I could be near him Lisa um, and so I was <laughs> Yes, I know. Totally desperate. But I was thinking, you know, gosh, what if I, you know, not just me, but like, what if somebody came upon that person today and they were a successful um, person with an interesting life? What would, with how their would own wine cooler how business. How would that be a second chance for them? <laughs> with their own Pardon wine me? cooler business. <laughs> I said with their own wine cooler business With their own now. wine cooler business. <laughs> Yes. Well, you have to remember this was the '80s, so it was like the Bartles and James oh, era, no. probably oh, way no. before your time. But that the, was a big thing in the '80s. No, no. But the first drink that I had, I think, when I was a teenager, was Boone's Farm. So oh my God. I was a Bacardi Limon sugar <laughs> for all of one night. <laughs> Sparingly do I go back to the Limon. I was 15. <laughs> Still gives me the chills. <laughs> but I do find those, uh, I guess, second chance love stories to be quite fascinating. I do love them, too. There's, there was a couple times in Clutch where the main character ended up having men confess to her about their yes. about them having crushes validating. about them having crushes on her when they were in high school and i was like that's never happened to me i kind of want it to 
I don't. I have had that happen, and it's not from the people you thought were. Oh. It's from the wrong crowd. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's amazing when you look back to that time in your life, what you thought was reality is very different than probably what was really happening or what you thought your image was is very different than what people's perceptions of you were. Yeah. Because I I did an interview uh, a couple months ago with uh, Voyage LA, which is an online magazine. And I had relayed that story about having this crush in high school and, you know, sitting with this boy and soothing his back while he was throwing up wine coolers and how that kind of inspired uh, my book, Lynx, which is a, a second chance romance. And someone that I went to high school with saw my link of this story on Facebook and then direct messaged me and said, oh, it was so great. You know, I'm so happy for your success. It's great to, you know, to have seen you at the reunion, whatever, 10 years ago. He goes, and I'm so curious on who your high school crush was. And I said, oh, my lips are sealed. And I said, well, too bad his lips weren't sealed, but that's another story. (laughs) And he wrote back and said, um, you know, that really surprised me because that's not kind of what my perception was of you in high school, that you would have done that. And I thought, gosh, that's exactly who I was in high school. But his, his idea of me, and I thought, oh, I was that nerdy girl in big, thick glasses that nobody paid attention to. He's like, I never thought of you as nerdy. Huh. It was just such an interesting thing that I think the perceptions that we have of ourselves are so different than what other people see in us. And sometimes it's a good thing. And sometimes we just need to open our eyes to the fact that maybe we're better than what we give ourselves credit for being. Oh, yeah. So we need Atta Girls. Yeah. Right? That's where your Atta Girls come in. That is where our Atta Girls come in. (laughs) Yeah. Because we are always harder on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like today, I look like a really terrible Snapchat filter, but I'm here for it. (laughs) It's just, it's a rough day. (laughs) It's rough. (laughs) Well, speaking of Atta Girls, are we at that time? Yeah, probably. Cool. Yeah. So, at a girl, we informed you prior to recording, in case it's somebody's first time listening. It's just a positive note of something that happened or that we're proud of ourselves for, um, since we clearly like to make fun of ourselves quite a bit, and <laughs> it's not always in the most positive light. Um, but we like to try to do something where we like pat ourselves on the back, right? And Nicole's a queen, the queen of validation her actions and activities and like she'll go ahead and let you know so <laughs> I I even I do I like a lot of validation like when I'm at Trader Joe's especially they seem to be the best <laughs> ones that when you're checking out they're like oh this was a good choice and I'm like thank you <laughs> thank you but like we need positive validation <laughs> and so she's the driver and I agree <laughs> Yeah, so my add a girl for this week is actually all of the uh, coordination yes. efforts that I've been doing for the podcast lately, including this interview yes. and several other things that are going on because we have a couple of shows coming up. Um, and we're going to have a second anniversary show mm-hmm. in March. So I'm trying to make it a bigger deal without. She's it. pouring herself into this, people. I am not kidding you. <laughs> I started a new job, and I have been basically ghost-towning her, and she has just been like, we got this and this and this, and then she's adding things to the calendar because she's going out. I'm like, she's on the move. I know. I have a very busy week, and there's a lot of coordination stuff, and I was telling somebody else about everything that I had going on, and they were like, they looked overwhelmed. Like, their face... (laughs) 
had this look of a washed overwhelm and I'm like I feel great like (laughs) this is all happening it's coming together so my that's my atta girl I'm not letting it run over my life well congratulations that's awesome (laughs) pat on the back for sure thank you miss lisa do you have an atta girl aside from this entire episode that you'd like to share with us today (laughs) well this really has been such a treat i I can't tell you how flattered i am i'm so appreciative to your uh listener and fan who had recommended me so i will be sure to send her a note to say thank you again she also she was actually a guest on our show too so she does have an episode do you recall which one it was it was the um Plenty of felons one. Yes. Plenty of felons. She's got horror stories from plenty of fish that you might find to be thoroughly enjoyable. (laughs) Like tons of hobos. So, um... But yes, continue. Sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off. (laughs) Oh, that's okay. Um, So besides this great opportunity, I think the most exciting thing is that I have a print proof of my new book that is scheduled to arrive today. (gasps) Um, I'm waiting by the door for it to arrive, and if it looks good, then this new book, it's called The Subway Girl, will be um, out in July, (gasps) and it's about a... um, it's kind of a story of fate, which we talked about, me and my husband, but it's about a, a, a man who uh, is on a New York, crowded New York subway, and he sees this beautiful woman, and he just feels like he has to meet her. And before he can muster the courage to go talk to her, she gets off the train. And it's the story of what he does to try to find out who she is and how he finds love along the way. I love oh, this. Oh, I it's, love that. It starts out like could be creepy, stalker, weirdo-ish, and then it turns into something you weren't expecting. I love it. Yes. And in the very first chapter, he even says, I'm not a stalker. Or a weirdo. <laughs> I'm just a regular guy. A yeah. guy and just, yeah. just looking for the right girl. He's this hopeful romantic and hopefully you'll fall in love with him and swoon over him because he's just such a great guy. It's like everyone deserves a Ryan. He's just fabulous. Oh, Ryan. Yeah, he's it a, did. It made yeah. me think of um, uh, in the 2000s when you on Craigslist you could do a missed connection. Oh man, I was going further back into like newspapers, but okay. Oh. <laughs> no, I think that's when Craigslist made missed connections dirty. Oh, like I never thought missed connections was bad when I was younger because it was always in the paper and it was like a lot of work. If you're gonna be going into the newspaper, you're gonna put an ad out that yeah. I potentially missed out on my right. my like, significant other. Yes. soulmate whatever like yeah. that's a lot of work but then craigslist was like it's going to be easy to find gross stuff so then misconnections became very filthy in my mind oh mm-hmm. well i don't think it was just in your mind it probably actually did happen i'm just unaware of the level of filth that it got to yeah just imagine the worst things possible <laughs> in black and white uh, maybe i need to do more research <laughs> proof needs to go back to the drawing board <laughs> Sarah, what's your Atta Girl? My Atta Girl's getting us started today. (laughs) (laughs) Small victories, you know. Yeah, but before that, I work in a really male-dominated industry, and I was able to win a few over in just a two-weeks time period, and uh, I was able to crack beers with them on Friday. So Atta Girl and me. That's fantastic. I think so, too. Thank you. (laughs) Because I work with these people every day. (laughs) Well, we really appreciate your time today. Thank you for hanging out with us uh, even longer than you had expected. Yeah, no kidding. Um, please tell everyone where they can find you and find your books. And we'll link to it as well. Oh, thank you. You can find uh, me on my website. It's 
lisawbecker.com. Awesome. And that's where you can connect with me, share your romance and love stories with me, or your horror stories with me. You can find uh, links to my books and book trailers, all that fun stuff. So great. Super easy. One stop But thank you so much. Thank this you. This has been such a fun day. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. And uh, you can follow us at homance underscore chronicles on Instagram um, or find us homancechronicles.com. And like I said, we have an event coming up um, on March 19th at Trixie's for our second anniversary. So follow us on social and rate, review, subscribe if you like what you heard. Yeah.